0: This is the How The Fuck podcast. Each week, we interview creative leaders and marketing professionals from around the world. From those interviews, we bring you unique advice that's based only in real practical experience that will help you to grow your business, get ahead in your professional life, and satisfy your hunger to learn new ideas. Hey guys, just gonna give a super quick introduction to the amazing April Dumford. I had the pleasure of talking to April last week and she shared a super interesting story from her experience as a product marketer in the kind of very early days of her career. For those of you who don't know, after a super long and successful career in tech marketing, April is now a positioning consultant and author of an incredible book called Obviously Awesome, um, which I've read and used and found super useful for positioning a product in my company. The book and April's method are really unique in that it's based in her direct experience and developed for purpose and action. Um, It's also one of the kind of only complete guides to product positioning out there, which is exactly why I wanted to get her on this podcast, and on the website, share her tips with you before we move on as well just wanted to give a huge shout out to everyone who has followed me on instagram linkedin and the ton of people who have subscribed um, to the weekly newsletter through the website i really appreciate the support and all the messages that i've got from people i'm going to try and get back to everyone as soon as possible okay time for the interview um april if you wouldn't mind could you walk me through a story that really illustrates your methodology and shows us the value of product positioning
1: well, uh, I, I can give you a story, and this one's interesting because it, it's kind of the it's kind of the the first product I ever worked on, so it's a really old one, old story. Um, but it's a neat story about how, um, you know, most startups, the idea for a product is based on what i would call a positioning thesis so you go out you have an idea for something like i want to build better email or i want to build in this case we wanted to build a better database and we had a thesis that was um at the time relational databases were all big complex things that you had to install on a server and you needed an administrator and they took a lot of resources and they were very, you know, difficult to install, difficult to set up, difficult to use. And this was a long time ago and we were in the early days of um, smart mobile devices and we were actually in the early days of even like laptops. And we had this idea that we would, have a a database that allowed you to program just like a big database in structured query language or SQL, um, except that we were gonna make this kind of low footprint, two-click install, doesn't need an administrator kind of database that you could run on a PC. And the idea was of, of how people were gonna use that was uh, we were gonna sell it to people as an alternative to, to a spreadsheet. And, and so we envisioned it as business productivity software. It was gonna, you would put this thing on your PC or your laptop even, and uh, if you had to manipulate some data, but you, were, you, know, you didn't wanna do it in Excel spreadsheet format, you wanted to write structured queries, <laughs> you could use our thing. And so we validated that because we thought that was cool. We were super techie and we validated mm-hmm. that by talking to some of our um, existing customers. We had other products at the time and we talked to some of our existing customers who for the most part were super, super techies. And, and everybody kind of went, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. So, uh, so we released the product. And uh, and we were selling it like this little standalone database, although we were really positioning it as productivity software. You know, it was an alternative to Excel. And so we launched the thing. We ran marketing campaigns around it and put it out in the market. And uh, and we did not sell very many (laughs) (laughs) it, it turned out it wasn't uh nobody wanted that and uh and so we sold like a couple hundred copies but i mean we were selling these things for i don't know 100 bucks or 200 bucks a pop so we needed to sell thousands of them and we weren't selling thousands of them and so the thing looked like a bit of a failure and a few months in we decided uh you know we're gonna have to To end of life, the product, because it's a stinker. And, uh, and I was junior on the team, and, and I had a product marketing job, and I was fairly junior on the team, and I got given the job to, my boss said, look, I want you to call customers, we've only got a couple hundred of them, but call as many as you can, it'd be great if you could get a hold of like a hundred of them, and just feel them out for what they're doing with the product and see if they're going to be mad if we end of life it. Now this product was not SaaS, So it was, it was a standalone thing that you installed on your computer. So we, we didn't have any usage data. So we didn't know, we knew that we weren't selling very money, very many. So the suspicion was that, you know, we, people weren't using it all that much, but we didn't know for sure. And we didn't want everyone to get super mad if we told them that we were gonna turn it off. So we thought, well, we let's call them first and see what everyone's doing. And we'll, get a, we'll gauge how mad everyone's gonna be when we announce that we're end of life again. So I got that job. So I got the big list of customers. And I started calling everybody and you know, it's hard to get people on the phone. So I'm making tons and tons of calls every day. I didn't do anything else for a month. I'm making tons and tons of calls every day and I'm having three, four conversations a day if I'm lucky. And, uh, and what I learned at the end of the first week, I've gotten in touch with maybe 15, 20 people. And, uh, and almost every call went like I called and I'd say, Hi, I'm April, I'm calling from such and such a company and I just wanted to know about, you know, your usage of this product and they'd be like, I don't, I don't know that. <laughs> You'd be like, yes, yes, you did. Uh, let me pull up my my records. Yes, uh, you bought it on the 17th of January and and they'll be like, oh yeah, that, yeah. I mean, it seemed cool. We bought it, we fooled around with it for a little bit, but then, you know, no, we didn't really, we don't really use it. So I, and I had 20 of these conversations. So I'm starting to think, yeah, this is going to be no big deal. We want to end the life, this product, no problem. Nobody, nobody even knows they have it. (laughs) But then I had customer call number 21. So customer call number 21, I get the guy on the phone and he says, oh, that thing, it's amazing. It's like magic. And he starts into this big story of what he's using it for. And what he did was he had all these salespeople with laptops, and this was kind of the early days of giving your salesperson a laptop so they could go out in the field. And he says, my problem is my salespeople go out in the field, but our order system is is in-house and it runs this big Oracle database. So my guys go out in the field to take an order, and what they were doing is just taking it on paper And then they'd come back to the office to enter the order and sometimes they'd make a mistake or sometimes they'd misquote the order or something. So they'd end up having to go back and forth with the customer three or four times before they get the order right. But what I did was I put your SQL database on the laptop, which it fits, which is amazing because it's this really small footprint. And... It runs structured query language just like my Oracle database. So I wrote them a little program so they could take the order on their laptop while they were with the customer. Then they come back to the office, plug in, and it automatically syncs up with the big Oracle database at headquarters. It's amazing. And so I'm like, well, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and That is not what we built this product to do. And uh, And I didn't have the guts to tell the guy we were gonna shut it off. And so I said, Hmm, that's very interesting. I wrote it down. And then I did a whole bunch more calls. And for the most part, all the other people were like, no, we're not using it for anything. And then I got another guy who was doing the exact same thing. It was a little bit different in that he had field service reps, but the field service reps needed to take some notes and keep track of some things. And so again, they had put the database on the laptop or this mobile device then the field service rep goes out, the field does their thing, comes back and it syncs up with the big Oracle database back at headquarters. So I ended up doing 100 calls and I had, I think I had six or seven that were doing basically putting our database on some kind of mobile device to enable their, their folks who were not at headquarters to do stuff and then they could sync that up Back at headquarters to some big SQL database. So here's the thing. So I go back to my, my boss and the executive team. And I'm like, you know, good news and bad news, depending on what your definition of good news and bad news is. (laughs) So good news. I had a hundred calls. I know what people are doing with it. And the vast majority of them, the vast majority, like 95% of them, Uh, don't use our thing, don't like our thing, aren't going to be one bit sad if we turn it off. But I got this handful of outliers that are using this product in a way we never suspected and they're going to be very disappointed when we turn it off. And so it sparked a conversation internally about could we actually um, essentially reposition this database into something completely different that we had never imagined before and and uh and and sell it and make it successful as this other thing and so we decided we were going to give it a try so we repositioned it you know instead of being desktop productivity software that competes with excel we repositioned it as an embeddable database for mobile devices. And and there was not a lot of competition. In fact, there was no embeddable database for mobile devices at the time, although there were people building homegrown things, trying to accomplish the same thing that we did. Mm -hmm. And then it required a completely different shift in the business, like a different pricing model. We were no longer selling it one database at a time, we were gonna sell like a hundred copies at a time, depending on how big your sales force was. I, I would, you know, wanna sell a copy for every person on your sales force. So the pricing model needed to change. We needed to change our route to market. Like we were selling it one copy at a time off our website. This was gonna require a salesperson to go and talk to IT and the head of sales and explain what this thing was about. Um, the deals were gonna go from being little hundred dollars a pop thing to you know, this might be potentially thousands of dollars of revenue in a bigger deal.
0: God, that's interesting. So your change of positioning led you to completely change your target customers, your company strategy, pricing, everything. So April, just to backtrack a little bit, um could you walk me through the process that you went through as a team to position that product again?
1: So it started out with an idea of, could we simply tell the story in a different way? And in order to figure that out, we had to kind of work through, you know, in what the product was originally, we had an idea of what the competitive comparable was, which, which then was, you know, in the original idea, it was Excel. But in this new, with this new bit of customer information, what we realized was that for our happy customers, not the unhappy people, the unhappy people were still comparing us to Excel, but they weren't happy. So (laughs) they didn't matter. (laughs) The happy people didn't see us as Excel at all. So the competitive comparable was you know, I'm building some kind of a data storage thing that sits on a laptop that can sync back to Oracle. It was very complicated and very homegrown. So the first step of that was, look, in this new scenario, we have a different competitor. Therefore, we have different features that are interesting. We thought that the, the key differentiating feature that we had because we were compared to Excel was this idea that, oh, I can, you know, I have structured query language, so people that are used to doing SQL could write queries on this thing. When in fact, our key feature, if you understood this other competitor, our key feature was not that, because no one, no one that loved us was comparing us to Excel. Our key feature was that, not that we had structured query language and you knew how to do that, it was that we had structured query language that was compatible with my headquarters database, and i the the database that we were selling was low footprint enough didn 't take up too much hard disk didn 't use too much memory low footprint enough that I could put it on a very resource constrained laptop or a mobile device and send people out in the field so thinking through the process shift in the shift in Well, it started with insight into who loved our stuff and why, which got us to thinking about different competitors, therefore, different key features, therefore, different value we could deliver to the customer. Therefore, different customers we're trying to target. (laughs) And the last bit being therefore our market category had to shift. We are not business productivity software. We're an embeddable database for mobile devices.
0: Great, and I think, could you? The
1: result of that story is where it gets cool. So we did this as a test. So we started out, let's hire one salesperson, let's figure out the pricing, let's see if we could actually get some customers interested. We did, and we sold some deals, so then we hired some more salespeople, and some more salespeople, and the thing started selling like crazy. Eventually, we got acquired by a big, big database company in Silicon Valley, um, and when we continued to sell and sell and sell, and at its peak, I don't I have no idea what the revenue is for that product now. However, it still exists today. Although you know this is twenty years later, so it's evolved quite a bit. It still exists today. It is still used as an embeddable database for mobile devices, and at its peak. Is my understanding at its peak that it was a billion dollars in revenue, and we almost killed it. Wow! (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, imagine if I hadn't have had those conversations, and instead we had just done a survey, we'd have killed it. Mm -hmm. We'd have killed it. We'd have done a survey saying, "Hey, uh, do you like this thing?" And we would have got the results back, and would have said, "Oh, ninety-five percent of the people that use it think it's stupid, and they don't. They don't like it."
0: It's so interesting because the the aim of those conversations was not to not really discovery really. It was to find out if they would be annoyed at you. (laughs) Did did you have a set of questions? They ended
1: up interestingly, they ended up being very much discovery conversations by accident because my goal was not to ask them about new features we could build or you know any mm-hmm. of the normal things you would do on a customer call my goal really was to figure out were they using it if so what were they doing and and how business critical was that because if we shut it off are they going to cry <laughs> <laughs> which is very much like a customer discovery call although you know this that's before we even knew what customer discovery was back then so yeah. um, so it was by accident but the insight that we got was just like a customer discovery call and then it enabled us to essentially walk through a positioning process just like the positioning process i outline in my book step by step by step well you know because the customers that love us think of us in a different way therefore we have a different competitive comparable therefore you know we're highlighting different features and different value for a completely different audience than we thought we did therefore we are we need to be positioned in a completely different market category
0: wow such a cool story
1: yeah you're welcome <laughs> i like that story i haven't heard, i haven't heard of that i haven't thought of that one in a long time and the other day i was i was trying to d- dig into the old archives for some i don't think i put that one in the book because i wasn't thinking about it at the time mm. But that was, yeah, my very, very, very first product. And that product lives on now, and it's part of um, SAP.
0: That's a good point, actually. Would you mind sharing all of the names of the companies that were involved in this story? I know people are going to be interested.
1: Well, yeah. So the, so the, original, uh, the original company uh, was a spin-out from the University of Waterloo here in Canada, and the company was called Watcom just like it sounds, W-A-T-C-O-M. And they were famous for building compilers. That was their big thing. Um, apparently when they first, first started, they had the world's most amazing Fortran compiler. <laughs> that tells you how old this is. And But when I joined them, they were mainly famous for, in the C compiler business. So they had a, a C compiler that everybody used. But part of what had us thinking about this database stuff was um, Microsoft had gotten into the compiler business, and you know was was clearly going to wipe us out. And so we were looking for new products to launch and new uh, lines of revenue, which got us thinking about this database thing. And so we were eventually acquired by uh, Sybase. It was a bit of a two-step acquisition. We got acquired by a company called PowerSoft and then PowerSoft was acquired by Sybase. But we all ended up as part of Sybase, which at the time was uh I think uh one of the biggest database providers in the world. Maybe I can't remember if we were bigger than Oracle back then or if it, or if Oracle was bigger than us. Mm-hmm. But Sybase was a very big publicly traded database company. And so um <clears throat> and then eventually, like, you know, years later, Sybase was acquired by SAP. Um, yeah. But if you d- look at it, let me just look, I'll send you the link. <laughs> uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, it's amazing. SAP, Imagine the SQL the ama- anywhere. RDBMS for IoT. So the positioning is slightly different, like instead of saying mobile devices, where, where they're getting even broader it's Internet of Things, but it's the same idea, right? So it's oh, like DBS. enable, secure, reliable data management software for servers where no DBA is available, and synchronization for tens of thousands of mobile devices, Internet of Things, systems, and remote environments. 20 years later, people, 25 <laughs> years later, this is pretty much the same positioning. <laughs>
0: one thing that i found really interesting um and i know my team did when we went through the positioning process in your book was this idea of the competitive comparable um and it's one of those things that's it's such a logical idea but you kind of don't think of it straight away um so would you mind going into that a little bit
1: competitive comparable it was a bit of a breakthrough for me too to tell you the truth like for a long time i had i had been thinking about positioning probably because I didn't start out in marketing, but you know, I ended up running a big marketing team. And so I did a lot of marketing courses and read a lot of marketing books because I felt like I had, I had to catch up. And so um, one of the things that I found really intriguing was this idea that positioning was kind of this foundational marketing thing and yet we didn't seem to have a methodology for doing it and so i thought that was really interesting for the longest time i was trying to build a methodology like how do we break positioning into pieces and then have a process for putting it back together and <clears throat> clearly <coughs> competitive alternative is a key thing in positioning like you you can't know what your distinct value is without knowing who you're compared against. But for the longest time, um, you know, I think I was thinking about competitive comparison as, you know, typically inside companies, when you say, who's your competitor? (coughs) Excuse me, I'm still getting over this thing. Um, When you say, who's your competitor? people tend to think of, well, what are the other providers out there that do software just like ours? But in B2B, when you're selling to businesses, often your competitor doesn't isn't that at all. Like your competitor is, I would just use a spreadsheet for this, or I would just hire an intern to do this. How I What changed my thinking on that a lot was um, I started reading a lot of Clayton Christensen and uh, jobs to be done stuff, which got me thinking about, you know, the idea that, you know, companies hire your product to do a job and that job is not always obvious. And what that really got me thinking about was this idea that what is a competitive alternative to your product often looks nothing like a competitor. And not only that, um, different segments of customers will see different competitive alternatives, and the one that really matters is the people that are that are really, really a good fit for and really happy about your product use it the way it was intended so that led me down, down this path of thinking like, you really got to nail this competitive alternative thing. Because if I don't understand who my real competitive alternative is, then I don't understand what my unique features are because I don't know who I'm comparing to. And, and if I, and I need that to understand what my differentiated value is. And I actually need that to understand who my best fit customers are because those are the people that care the most about that value. So if you get the first step wrong, then everything else in your positioning is bound to be wrong.
0: We cut off the recording there. So I don't actually have a a clip of me and April saying bye to each other. But if you got to the end, thank you. Um, Come follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn um, and subscribe at thefuck.com. And cheers, see you later.